Hey guys, and welcome back to the Brown Girl White Coat Podcast. My name is Sai, like a sigh of relief, and this is the podcast where we're talking about everything about medical school, whether it's lifestyle, whether it's new recipes I'm trying, beauty, you know, fitness, workout inspo, what I've currently been into, current favorites, all of that stuff, as well as interviewing the movers, shakers, and leaders in the field of medicine. And that is exactly what we're doing here today on today's episode. I'm so, so excited to be introducing Piyush Srivastava, who is the CEO and founder of Geneticis, a biotech startup, and now an amazing company with an amazing product called the CardioFlex Machine. So we're going to talk all about that, and I'm going to explain more about what that is and what kind of amazing technology it's going to bring to emergency rooms everywhere. I'm so inspired and motivated by everything he has to say, and hopefully you guys will be too. Um, So I loved this, this interview so, so much. And just wanted to do a little bit of an intro before we get into all of that. If you're ever going through anything, if you ever have any questions about med school, but also about life or things you should do, you know, in your pre-med years, pre-med summers, application process, et cetera, et cetera, please feel free to reach out to me on my Instagram. That is the best place to find me. Um, Go ahead and DM me your questions, comments, whatever. If there's any, you know, constructive criticism you have on the podcast, that is definitely the best way to reach me. It is at Cybear, S-A-I-E, bear, like a polar bear. And yeah, I answer all of my DMs on there. So if you ever need anybody, if you ever need someone to, you know, talk you through anything, I got you on there. Um, But without further ado, let me give you a little intro on how me and Piyush know each other and everything that he's doing that's so incredible. So Piyush and I met through Mason High School. We both went there. And he kind of, you know, forged his own path and created a company called Geneticis. And it was kind of based around a product called the CardioFlux Magnetocardiograph, which is a way for patients to be imaged in the emergency room that requires no exposure to radiation or exercise like a stress test during the procedure. And it's basically non-invasive. The scan happens in 90 seconds and it really allows emergency room docs to triage or to classify patients as low risk, intermediate risk, or high risk. And I personally believe that this technology is going to completely change how we, you know, think about imaging in the emergency room. And I'm really excited to see where it could go. It is, you know, it's definitely come a really long way and Piyush will tell you guys all about that. So if you're interested in hearing more about not only geneticists, not only his you know, humble beginnings in his dorm room to this amazing company that is now being invested in by people like Mark Cuban. Please keep listening. He also touches on qualities he believes every leader and entrepreneur should have, as well as his favorite books, his role models, and we're going to talk about everything, coffee, literally everything. So hopefully you guys like this episode. Feel free to reach out to me and stay tuned for more episodes coming soon. I'm now a second year in medical school, which is completely crazy. People actually, you know, look to me to actually know what I'm doing. Um, But that being said, I can't wait to see everything that the Brown Girl White Coat podcast is going to accomplish in this upcoming school year. So stay tuned for all of that. As always, if you have any requests or any people you really want me to sit down with, please just shoot those into my Instagram DMs. And yeah, I'm so excited to be talking with Piyush this afternoon. And I hope you guys have a great day and I hope you guys really enjoy this podcast. All right. Hey, guys. I'm sitting here with Piyush Srivastava, the CEO and founder of Geneticis. 
You can say hi. Hey. <laughs> so we're going to start with a little bit of a hot seat, get to know you a little bit better, and then we'll dive into you know everything about geneticists, your journey, all of that stuff. So to begin, I would like to know, what is the best book you've ever read? Ooh. Coming in hard with these questions. <laughs> I recently read a book called The Loon Shots. Okay. And Tell me I about think it. that was the best book I've ever read. It's, it's pretty amazing. Um, it talks about how, like the Pixar story, how do you time and time again make something that's so impactful. Yeah. Um, it talks about how you split people with original ideas versus organizations that are really good at repeating success because they're good at identifying what makes something successful and staying true to that mission. Um, and the book is kind of a recipe to merging both of those things so you create original ideas but at the same time you're constantly pushing the envelope further and further yeah oh that's so cool yeah it's a sweet book okay i'm gonna have to add that to my summer reading list yeah definitely um okay second question what's the favorite place that you've ever traveled do you get to do a lot of traveling i know you're really busy okay so but it's different with business travel versus personal travel i think personal travel favorite place i've ever been to would be say more at Switzerland. Ooh, that's my vibe. And why is that? You know, I I like being a little closer to nature when I'm when I'm traveling. Okay. Um, the air is just a little fresher there. Yeah. There's a lot of water nearby. There's good chocolate. That's, my, <laughs> that's, that's all you need. That's honestly. All, you need. <laughs> all right, good enough. I'll take that. Um, okay, a question no one really ever likes to answer, but describe yourself in three words. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I am introverted, so this is fun and interesting for is me. It? Is it out of your comfort zone a little bit? Everything is out of my comfort oh, zone at this okay. point. My comfort zone has expanded a lot. Got it. Um, but uh, I think I'm a pretty charismatic person, um, and then empathetic. Empathy, I think, is my defining quality. Awesome. I really like that. Okay, um, if you weren't an entrepreneur come scientist, what would you be doing? Yeah, I think uh, if I weren't an entrepreneur, I'd probably be working at Disney as what? an Imagineer. Yeah. Whoa, okay. Yeah, Tell I me just, more about that. I love cultivating meaningful experiences for people. Even at work today, my favorite part of the job is is making sure that our employees feel like they're part of something much bigger. Um Disney has kind of mastered the art of making an engaging and and fun experience for people of all ages. So I, I would definitely be doing that. Yeah. Wow, that is so cool. That is the first time I've ever gotten that answer yeah. from anybody on the show. <laughs> um, okay, last hot seat question, but probably the most, you know, hard hitting. What is the best advice you've ever received? <sighs> best advice I've ever received? Um, don't fall in love with your idea, fall in love with the idea of solving a problem that really matters to you. Mm. Yeah, it just prevents you from you that? getting too biased. Uh, a lot of people have told me, but I think it, the most meaningful person that it came from um, was our chairman, John Rice. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's been somewhat of a mentor to me as we built the business. And it, he's just been open-minded about all the changes we went through and encouraged me to kind of embrace that. So... Yeah. It's been nice. That's awesome. I love that. Okay. So now that we've gotten through hot seat, um, I'm going to just let the listeners know a little bit about how we know each other. So we went to high school together um, (laughs) way back in the day. Oh my goodness. (laughs) Way too long ago. (laughs) I think we had like AP stats or something together. Everett? 
Yeah. yeah. With Amoya. That's all I remember. Oh Shout my out to Amoya. <laughs> yes, I remember. Shout out to Amoya. <laughs> Um, and so now you're doing like amazing things. So I'm really happy to have you on. Thank you. Thank I'm really you. glad to see a fe- fellow person from Mason, like doing amazing things. So absolutely, can't thank wait you. to dive in. Um, so I listened to your Ted talk from OSU. Oh, no. Um, I was like, I need to know like what his vibe <laughs> is. Like it's been a while. So, um, so I guess my listener base, I'm going to kind of like ask questions based on what they would like to know and yeah, all that. Um, so a lot of them want to go to med school and like, that's kind of why I started the podcast and everything, but I want to showcase, you know, other things, the paths less traveled kind of like you're doing. Um, and so the title of that Ted talk was a non, I think it was like a nonlinear startup genesis. And so can you talk about, you know, what was so nonlinear about it? Yeah. Cause I went into college thinking I would go down the exact opposite path. I was really interested in academics the academic side of medicine so I wanted to work in the labs I wanted to move towards a PhD program and we're non-linear because the very elements that I think would have made me successful as a scientist I think make me all the more as an entrepreneur um you know we're we're not focused on you know answering questions just for the sake of achieving an answer but rather to actually gain a, a fundamental truth yeah Um, and it's hypothesis driven. Everything we do at at work is hypothesis driven. Um, yeah. So that was the first step, but then along the way it's nonlinear because every time you think, you know, something that's when chances are you, you find out the hard way that, that you didn't really know the truth. Yeah. It forces a pivot. You know, we went from being a software company to a device company, to a device and software company. Yeah. to a device company that looks like a device company but is a software company and just all these different yeah. blends of things so I, yeah i think that's why we're non-linear yeah and you're non-linear as a person as I a suppose. person for so sure. um so i guess can you kind of give us a better idea of what geneticist is what your goals are all of that stuff absolutely um you know, when we first started our, our goal and mission was uh to improve patient quality of life and experience um yeah. for patients with cardiovascular disease and the way we're accomplishing that now is we've developed a connected device. Um, so it's a new imaging technology. We hope it'll be like the next wave of what MRI was back mm-hmm. in the day. Um, similar to an MRI, we work with magnetic fields. Not similar to an MRI, we don't emit magnetic fields. Yeah. We measure the fields that are naturally generated by the heart uh, mm-hmm. to begin with. Um, and we're able to visualize that magnetic field in a way that allows us to evaluate patients' risk of, you know, acute coronary syndromes, so mm-hmm. patients with chest pain coming to the emergency room. And it's a 90-second scan that doesn't involve radiation or pharmaceuticals or contrast dyes. Yeah. Uh, and it's just easy. It's not invasive. It's at rest. So we, we think about patient quality of life and experience in terms of their quality of their stay, the quality yeah. of their life afterwards in terms of healthy days at home. And, and we think we deliver on our mission through, through this product. Yeah. That's amazing. So can you talk more about how you got the idea in the first place? How, how did you decide that this is what you wanted to do with your life? Yeah. Very nonlinear. Um, <laughs> when we, when we first started, we were doing it just because it seemed like a fun thing to do. Yeah. Um, so I had just finished high school. I was in my first semester at Ohio state. Yeah. Um, yeah, this was based off of some, work that was derivative of what I was doing in the basic science lab where we were 
looking at ion channels and cardiac cells and yeah. thought, you know, how, how would one do this clinically? Uh, and wanted to create some way of, of doing that based off existing hardware. Quickly found out there was nothing that would do it. Uh, so started developing some type of concepts. And then it became a business when we had a few docs from the Mayo Clinic, ER docs, tell us that, you know, we understand what you're building in theory and why you think it might be helpful for patients with arrhythmias, which is where we first started. Mm -hmm. But there's a much more promising application. We have patients with chest pain. They're incredibly difficult to triage. It's time-consuming, and it's incredibly expensive. So that was kind of our aha moment of, well, now we have physicians telling us that as users, there's something that they could use here. Um, yeah. So that was that was kind of the aha moment that led us to building what we what we currently call Cardioflux. Yeah. Um, so was there ever a point where you had to consider who would be involved in your team, or did you always like have Vinny and Manny like oh. in the back of your <laughs> pocket? Like this is something that happened. Yeah. As so a you team. remember Vinny and Manny? Yeah, of from course. High school? Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, now, Vinith and Manny were for, from day one. Before we were even a business, they were yeah. they were the business. Yeah. Um, so we we just knew it would be fun to do. So that's yeah. why we we went down this path. Um, from there on, you know, it's it's been interesting. We we've grown our team with respect to our own limitations as people. Yeah. We know what we're good at, and so we've been able to bridge the gap of what are other people good at. What subject matter expertise do they bring? Yeah. And most importantly, do they help us move the needle? Do they feel invested in, in our mission and what we're trying to accomplish? Yeah. So can you talk more about the process of getting people to invest in an idea? Yeah. Um, I just think that's that's so interesting to have to pitch to somebody, <laughs> you know. And so can you talk about, you know, how you go about doing that? Yeah, no, that was a journey. I mean, in the beginning, it was no no one's going to take a chance on, on an idea. On yeah. A, you know, napkin. Um, so it was like business plan competitions. And I'm sure most universities at this point have some type of pitch competition or something. That's where we yeah. got our start too. Okay. Uh, so just a few thousand dollars here or there to develop initial prototypes with software. It's cheap nowadays. So mm-hmm. it's the cost of prototyping is fast. 3D printing, laser cutting, all these things are pretty accessible. Yeah. Um, so we took what little money we could capture from those pitch competitions and we turned it into a prototype and we turned the prototype into a a, a, st- a small study a retrospective mm-hmm. patient study at the Mayo Clinic um, and we fronted a lot of that cost and that was you know uh, the hardest thing to do was yeah. to know that we need the money to do the trial but we need the trial to get, get the money, money. Yeah. so you get stuck in the catch-22 and you just at that point got to feel comfortable with you know it's worth our time and energy and, and money yeah. um, to access a larger pool of capital. Yeah. Yeah. So I know for a little while you had relocated the company to Buffalo. Can you yeah. talk about what that was for and you know why you decided to come back to Mason? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so that was one of the pitch competitions. Okay. It's called 43 okay. North. And 43 North was, is the world's largest business idea competition. It was the inaugural year, and you know, they'll invest 250000 500000 or a million dollars in the business. The caveat is you relocate your business to Buffalo. And so we actually got kind of our first start, our first big mm-hmm. break in Buffalo. Yeah. Uh, shout out to Buffalo. <laughs> it's uh, a good place to be. It, it was a fun business, place to I be. Imagine. 
Um, and you know, it, we were right on the Buffalo Niagara Medical Campus, so it Ooh. felt like there was a good community there. Yeah. Uh, so we were building the business slowly but steadily there. Uh, at some point, though, you realize you got to go where the money goes. Um, yeah. And you know, we we had established roots in Ohio. Uh, we had, you know, all of us were Mason graduates. We lived in the area. Yeah. We had the right connections. Uh, so we saw an opportunity to relocate. Um, but before we went back to Mason, we actually relocated back to Columbus so that we could try to finish school. Yeah. Because uh, we had taken a year off to do it. Yeah. Um, we didn't end up finishing school, and we got an offer to relocate the business to, to Mason. And we've been here now for coming on three years. Awesome. Yeah. That's so cool. Um, so you were, you, were we supposed to graduate in the same year? I forget. Yeah, I was supposed okay. to graduate 14. Okay, okay, okay. So that, from, from Buffalo, you guys relocated here. Mm-hmm. And then where's the company now? What are you hoping to accomplish in Mason? Yeah, so we, we've now been around for about six years. We are 30 employees, um, you know, right next to Kings Island. Yeah. Uh, we have done clinical trials. We've established new reimbursement for our procedure. We're FDA cleared. Uh, so next steps for us are you know, getting some of those early adopters to, to start using the technology to establish some clinical registries, uh, gain some confidence, uh, get some of the publications out there, uh, and hopefully that'll result in a second FDA clearance, which would allow for more mainstream use. Yeah. But at the end of the day, the, the next two years are really dedicated towards establishing the right data mm-hmm. uh, in, our, in our clinical portfolio. Uh, and getting the technology in the hands of the people who are going to benefit from from using it the most. Yeah. yeah. Can you um, talk more about the first FDA clearance? So I know that happened um, earlier this year, I guess. Yeah, um, yeah. I saw your Facebook post about that. So congratulations, Thank by the you. way, on that. Thank you. So can you explain that whole process? Um, I mean, not in great detail, because I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure. Where to begin? <laughs> no, it's. Um, First of all, I think FDA gets a bad rap. Um, mm. FDA you know, clearance or approval sounds like this really scary, crazy thing, and it was for us too, but FDA is incredibly open-minded and receptive to understanding the, the nuances of your product well before they've even actually gotten your submission. So yeah. we started interacting with the agency three years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, the actual submission... It, clocked in right around a thousand pages yeah um so you're really demonstrating the fda's two things are safety and efficacy mm-hmm. uh, so you're demonstrating the safety and efficacy for what the device is labeled to do you submit this thousand pages of documentation and they've got a few months to respond they'll ask some questions along the way you turn around the responses to the questions but fda is very sophisticated in their process so that even before you submit everything you've already got a lot of fda's feedback incorporated into your got it into your submission sounds like publishing a paper or something it really is it's really not so different yeah absolutely very cool so you are we were just talking about before i hit the record button here that you know you're thinking about possibly having the CardioFlex machine in different hospitals in Houston. Absolutely. Um, so can you talk more about what that process is going to look like? And you know, how are you going to get people on board to actually utilize it? Absolutely. So one of our criteria um, you know, for, for CardioFlex right now, we actually can, can cover the cost of the unit to go into select centers. Okay. Uh, Houston and Dallas are very rapidly growing markets and communities. Um, and with our current cost constraints in, in this ecosystem, it's it's important that healthcare is is moving towards value. 
mm-hmm. uh, versus you know fee for service. So yeah, I think we've got a very strong value proposition where it's about let's provide patients with chest pain earlier proactive care um, without exposing them downstream. You know, nuclear stress testing, CTs, yeah. unnecessary angiograms. Uh, so from a public health standpoint, I think we've got a strong value-based proposition. Um, and I think Houston, Dallas are prime time for that. Uh, our, our strategy is to identify those centers that are most willing to adopt the technology and would be high volume users. Uh, even if it's just to, to get some comfort around the technology. Um, so we think about, you know, groups like, you know, Baylor, Scott and White, Houston Methodist as as being very forward thinking about how they incorporate technology into their workflows. Yeah. Yeah. So could you walk me through the process of patient comes in to the ED? Yeah. You know, where, where do we go from here? At what point does the machine get involved? And, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So ED, you know, patient comes in with chest pain to the ED or some type of other anginal equivalent, uh, history, uh, EKG, you're doing those right away. Mm-hmm. Um, whether you're a facility that uses the heart score or some other type of score, really the goal is to kind of algorithmically determine is this patient low risk, intermediate risk, high risk yeah. uh, for having an acute you know, coronary event. Um, in other words, the ED is trying to disposition whether the patient should be admitted, go to the cath lab, or mm-hmm. can I send them home? Yeah. And there's you know, observation in the middle. And that's actually the problem. Mm-hmm. is a lot of times, even with negative EKGs, two negative sets of blood enzymes, uh, chest pain patients aren't discharged because they've got a good story. Got it. They've got enough risk factors for heart disease, they're smoking, they're you know, hyperlipidemia, whatever it might be. Yeah. Um, so our technology was meant to provide kind of the third leg of the stool. It's supposed to be a, a nice augmentation to the early tests mm-hmm. to avoid an unnecessary observation stay that would result in some type of nuclear stress test. Because if you come in with chest pain after one o'clock or, or even after noon yeah. uh, in some facilities, you might not get a stress test till the next morning. It's an availability issue. Our test is yeah. pretty ubiquitous. Mm-hmm. It's easy to offer at any point in the time at any point in the day. Yeah. Um, so that that's kind of you know where we envision the technology being used is Right after the EKG and the first set of, of blood enzymes are drawn, you can do this 90-second test and turn an 18-hour stay into potentially a two-, three-hour length stay. Yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. So, yeah, I'm actually working on a very similar research paper. Of, no way, really? Yeah, yeah. So I think emergency medicine would, might be something I want to be want to get into in the future. It's an incredible so – it's it's very underrepresented yeah. as a specialty. Um I spent so much time with ER docs and the American College of Emergency Physicians that I don't think there's any doc that's cooler than an ER doc. Yeah, me I'm neither. My favorite. Me neither, honestly. <laughs> so why why didn't you do medicine? Like, what was uh, the the turn off there? I, I really considered it for a long time. You know, I was thinking about um, getting into cardiology. I was already interested in the academic side. Yeah. Uh, I think for me, it's I really wanted to build things. Yeah. Uh, and I don't think that getting your MD actually, you know, prevents that. And and I think in many ways it can actually enable that, especially if you're, you know, in an academic department or a teaching hospital where there's opportunities to do that. But um, I think for me, I 
I was just opportunistic about my career without thinking that, you know, I'm standing to lose so much. Yeah. I could have done this. You know, once you do it, you stop thinking about it, really. Yeah, um, yeah. I think in another in another world, I might have, you know, gone down the, the medicine path and, and loved it. Yeah. But I think this is this is my calling. Yeah. Either that or Disney, right? Disney, uh, Disney, absolutely. <laughs> One of those. Could but, be both. <laughs> Um, so I think one of the biggest stories about geneticists that I heard was about Mark Cuban, right? Cause that, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that article was everywhere. Like my mom, her friends were like all sharing it too. Um, so like, I guess, how do you get someone as big as Mark Cuban involved in your company? Yeah. So Mark has a personal story with, with AFib. Um, okay. and he was a candidate for, for ablation and you know, he was looking for non-invasive alternatives and. At the time, we were still highly focused on arrhythmias. We had reached out to Mark. Mark was you know, a disciplined investor, wanted to make sure that hospitals actually cared about what we were doing. Um, and when we reached out to him, we had no proof of that. Yeah. And we had reached out on a cold email. Right. So we were just happy to get a response. But what was even more surprising is that he actually tracked our story. And I would continuously provide him with updates, short but sweet, um, this was before he invested? This is before okay. he invested. Okay. Um, but the, the updates and the reinforcement of, you know, docs are looking at this and it, there's something here was enough to get him to, to start asking even harder questions. And, and that's all you can hope for is that they're yeah. asking the harder and harder questions until they have the conviction that they haven't figured everything out. But over time, and with the right resources, they absolutely will. And I think Mark took that chance on us, and uh, yeah, it just goes to show. I think a cold email can go a, a very long way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's crazy. So, I guess how has he been more involved as the company has progressed? Yeah, I mean, he was uh, at the American Heart Association uh, scientific sessions in November okay, in Chicago. Yeah. Um, the Mavs were playing in Chicago, so he uh, he took a quick break oh to, to go hang out with us. <laughs> That was awesome, though, because he got scanned on the floor because um, yeah. we actually had taken one of our devices up to Chicago. Um, and, you know, it was, it was he's the type of person who asks, you know, now that I've been scanned, OK, how, how can I help? I'm here. Who do I need to go talk to? You know, yeah. so it's I, I think he's an opportunistic guy as well. You know, he'll yeah. look for ways to help. And if you don't ask, you know, you're probably not going to get it. Yeah. But. He's always been willing to help when we asked. He actually facilitated the interest to some of the, the folks at, at Baylor, for example, where yeah. he's got the personal connection. Awesome. Yeah. Um, so I guess in a more general sense, after talking about Mark Cuban, what are some qualities you would say you need in an entrepreneur entrepreneur or a leader in general? Uh, <clears throat> that's a great question. I, I think I'm, I'm refining that that idea of what what makes an excellent leader every yeah. single day with every experience um i think it's uh it's fearlessness mm-hmm. i think you can have fear but fearlessness in the sense of it's never the end of the world yeah you know, it's, it's almost like a that was just the hand we were dealt move on yeah just keep fighting the battle because it's always going to get harder you're going to get hit with something as soon as you get comfortable we deal with that on a regular basis and keeping your heart rate low and, and staying balanced is, is hard. 
Uh, I think the second one, and this may be an unpopular opinion, but I, I think the second one is, is empathy. Mm-hmm. So I, I mentioned that I think it's one of my stronger suits. Uh, I think empathy can op- you know, often be perceived as, as a, you know, you're too close to your employees from a, from a personal standpoint as opposed to a professional. So you're getting too invested in X, Y, Z. But I think that's why they come through for you when, when you need them the most. So I yeah. try to use the empathy as a, as a, as a strength as opposed to a, a weakness. Um, but I'd say the, those two things are pretty critical. Yeah, I was, I was really touched by something you said in your, in your TED Talk. You had mentioned that there were eight people living in your like, two-bedroom oh, apartment <laughs> or something. And I was like, this is honestly the kind of, yeah. <laughs> the kind of stuff you have to go through in order to like, get oh, that man. dream moving. It doesn't seem so bad in the moment. Yeah. It really doesn't. So your family's been super supportive oh, they've when been it incredible. comes to all of that. Your, your dad is like pretty involved, right? Yeah, like, he, he's he left his co-founder. full-time job. Yeah, he co-founded okay. the business with us. He's our chief financial officer. He's been full-time with us for almost a year and a half. Awesome. Yeah. That's really good to hear. Yeah. That's like, that. that's Indian parents for you though. I, oh, I really goodness. feel like they're just behind you regardless of, you know, what you want to You don't pursue. even have to ask. That's the best part. Yeah. Okay, so we're talking about, you know, balance. We're talking about qualities of leadership. Yeah. Um, what are some things you've learned about balancing your time? Um, yeah, I think it's incredibly important to find some structure, routine in your day. Yeah. Uh, I was the type of person who yeah, I had a good reputation for always responding to email. It kills you. Mm-hmm. To, to be by my phone all day, to, to constantly be. Versus saying... Every day I'm going to spend two hours on email or an hour and I'm going to carve out this time and that's what it's for. Yeah. When you don't do that, you, you start to forget about things. Yeah. My weight, for example, has fluctuated so much yeah. oh, while yeah. we started this business. And I think it's because it's so easy to put aside things, especially when it relates to your personal health. Oh, yeah. Mental health is a, is a key consideration in this. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's... I think balance is pretty pretty crucial. It doesn't need to be perfectly balanced. I'm an imbalanced individual on on net, and I'm okay with that. Yeah. Um, but it's finding a balance that works for you. Yeah. So what are what are some things that you do to maybe like more specific things that you incorporate yeah. into your life to keep that balance or to you know champion your own mental health? Absolutely. Um, I recently started getting a lot more active. So I, okay. I play tennis three days a week. I run the other four days in the week. Okay. So I'm, I'm doing something constantly. Um, and it really was just to get my heart rate down. I, I felt like, yeah. I felt like it was always elevated. I was always like a little bit too acute in responding to things. And, uh, you know, I've, I've tried to structure my day a little bit better. Yeah. I don't like being stuck in meetings very frequently, mm-hmm. but meetings are also the, my favorite part of the day sometimes. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to make sure that every meeting is meaningful. So I try to meet, limit my meetings now to 30 minutes versus an hour. Yeah. And I try to do them before the before lunch time. Yeah. So that after lunch I can focus on you know the, the emails, the yeah. the desk work. Yeah. Is that the hardest part you would say the the emails, the desk work, the more mundane tasks? Sometimes, but sometimes it's freeing, right? Like I think a lot of times I'll actually do that stuff at home. Okay. Like, I'll keep it going right after work. Yeah. Because you know? I, I do work very crazy hours. Um 
but it gives me more time to do the enjoyable stuff at work and yeah. to focus on. I've got a lot of very amazing people here. I love the brainstorm sessions on our product. I love getting the customer feedback. I love talking to people about what we're doing. Yeah. Um, that's my that's my favorite part for sure. Um, yeah. I would love to like know more of um, like a rundown of your day. Like when are you running? When are you finding the time? Yeah, no, it, <laughs> it depends. I, I So I'll play tennis at 7. Okay. I play so this is all after work, like no, seven a.m. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So it's the first thing I'll do in the mornings. Okay. Running, I, I get a little bit lazier, yeah. so if I I I can wake up early to play tennis. I can't wake up early all the time to play to to run. Me neither. Uh, you know that's just the honest truth. Um, yeah. but I do try to squeeze in you know forty five minutes a day. Um, yeah. Of something. Yeah. Um, then I get into work 8.30 to 9. Um, I'm at work usually till 6.37. Yeah. Um, I eat my lunch at the office. I pretty much never go out anymore. That's another key consideration for me. My biggest issue is I'm, I'm addicted to coffee. And I'm spending way too much on Starbucks. Oh my gosh, It was unnecessary. (laughs) It was was so unnecessary. I still do it. Same. I just Um, found out that you can get free refills on iced coffee like That's if you stay in the in the establishment. Oh my goodness! So it's not even that. It's like this is terrible. Uh, they just know me so well at the Starbucks here. It's like even if I leave and come back like two hours later, yeah, they'll they'll hook me up. Thank nice. you, Starbucks. Shout out to Starbucks. <laughs> not sponsored. <laughs> <laughs> That's so cool. I mean, no, same. I honestly, I was spending so much money on coffee that my parents were like, "We're buying you an espresso." And so now I just spend all my money on espresso pods that like oh, right. are a fraction of the price, but they're still really expensive. Wait, is there good iced espressos? Yeah. Yes. What? Yeah. They just made like a flat white iced version and it's really, really good. That might be I'm sorry for telling you. <laughs> that might be game changing. Yeah. Do you have an espresso? No. I highly recommend it. No, we've got a Keurig at home, but they can't really do anything iced. It's true. It tastes good. Okay, let me let me redirect us back. No, of course. <laughs> um, so you mentioned earlier that you guys, well, you never finished um, college at OSU, mm-hmm. right? So have you received any pushback on that? Like, you know, what do you know? You didn't finish college. Not not usually that. Uh, age in general becomes a, a pretty critical oh, yeah. factor, especially in, in in the type of work we do. It's People believe um, there's a certain type of leader that you can look at and recognize as a leader. Um, it's just their ideal, like archetype of what a, a leader looks like in this space. Yeah, uh, and it's largely based off experience. Um, so we always will fight that battle. I think the advantage is people aren't as close-minded as you would imagine. Mm-hmm. People are willing to hear you out, and they can be surprised by what we've learned in a very, very quick period of time. Uh, so I think we've we've impressed in that respect. I think the college thing is a, a bigger issue for for my family. Oh, and, you know, okay. It was, it was definitely a lot of pushback, equal amount of support when I decided to make the call. It's just never something they want me to ignore completely. Yeah. You know, especially for someone who thought they were going to go down a full academic pathway, to dismiss school altogether is a little bit of a one eighty for them. Yeah. Are you planning on ever going back? Oh yeah, okay. I think I think I would certainly finish my degree. Um, I don't know if I would pursue anything further further at this yeah. point. Um, I think I, I could see myself building 
this business and new businesses potentially um, for the rest of my career. Yeah. Uh, so I think I would finish for the sake of finishing. Um, yeah. I don't like the idea of leaving it unfinished. I've got six or seven courses left. Oh, yeah. I'm almost there. You can, you can knock that out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Vinny and Manny are in a similar position. They didn't they didn't finish either. Yeah. Um, not I too mean, much left. If it demands all your time, then and there's, there's, no, there's no, no choice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So I guess, like, what were you involved in in high school, college, all that stuff that maybe, you know, enriched your life? maybe pushed you towards the entrepreneurial oh, absolutely. world. Science fair and speech and debate. Um, yeah, it's, it's the most basic thing I could ever mention, but yeah, it, it helps, you know, it's science fair and speech and debate have one very important thing in common. It's you have to be very thoughtful and deliberate about how you communicate your ideas. Mm-hmm. Uh, communication is more than half the battle. And, we see this in the presidential debates all the time. Yeah. It's content is important. And if you've got that great, but it's got to be disseminated appropriately. And so I think that helped me hone in on the storytelling aspect of what we do. Yeah. Uh, Cause I think anyone is smart enough to learn the facts, but it takes a lot of patience and time and energy and willingness to hear that was terrible. Mm hmm from people who matter to you. And, yeah. and I think that's that's what you learn from, from science fair and speech and debate is how to refine your story. Yeah. Were there ever any people, any ER docs, nurses, et cetera, that you might have, you know, told your idea to and they shot it down? Oh, absolutely. What What is their argument here? Like, what is what is the con, you know? Um, you know, in, in all fairness, it's new. Mm-hmm. It's... It, can challenge the status quo. Stress testing has been the status quo for a long time. And it wasn't the status quo until it was. Mm-hmm. Um, so we typically would get the, oh, we've got stuff that does, you know, well enough. Mm-hmm. Or we've got stuff that's just about to come in, you know, high sensitivity tropes mm-hmm. versus, you know, regular troponin assays. Yeah. I mean, we, we certainly understand why... You know, XYZ tool in your toolkit is meaningful to you and this could be disruptive. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's not it's not a great response from a sales standpoint to say, no, we're better than that. Mm-hmm. It's much more important for us to understand why those tools are so important or why the, the upcoming technologies are meaningful to you. Because we know what the limitations are. Mm-hmm. We don't need to educate them on the limitations. I think most people know the limitations, but what we do want to know is what can we incorporate into our narrative to get in front of those things early so that we don't seem as disruptive um, and we actually seem like a a logical fit into the workflow. Yeah. Um, Can you elaborate on any more like setbacks that you've had while starting the company? Yeah. um, Money was always an issue. Yeah. Um, comes in it leaves uh i think some other setbacks uh that we've we've had to deal with um we started as a software business right Mm -hmm. so having to become a device business overnight because no one else builds the devices meant a complete change in in structure you know the type of people we bring on uh the type of liability we hold Mm -hmm. the skill sets we need to develop as a team it, it all changed like that um yeah but it was fun 
it's those pivots, those like setbacks become opportunities to, to capitalize on the fact that no one's building them. So we'll build the best one and we'll build it okay. so that nobody else would want to because we're that good. Uh, so that, that That's fun. Yeah, it sounds like it. It yeah. sounds like you really have the the mind for it and the passion for it. I definitely the passion for it. I can it. see that I don't know for about sure. the mind. <laughs> I guess we'll see about that. Right? <laughs> um, so we talked about like setbacks and all of that, but you've mentioned it a little bit, but you've mentioned what inspires you, I guess, but like who inspires you? Do you have any people that you're looking at? You know, I want to be more like this person or. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, definitely my family members have been huge inspirations. Uh, for example, uh, my my grandparents, my, my grandma, my grandpa are, are, are the reflections of the empathy that I want to build within within our business uh so it's it's being focused on on building people to be the best they can be versus you know destructive conversations he said she said gossip it naturally you know merges within the environment that we're working in yeah um small business uh but more so from a leadership standpoint I think I've been constantly inspired by Ed Catmull Okay. Um, and Ed Catmull is the president of Pixar. Okay. So they started Pixar. Um, and they went through a lot of troubles in the early days, but they were really focused on how they get their employees to to be invested in in the much bigger picture. Yeah. Um, and he wrote the book on this. Creativity Inc. is another amazing book to read. And is that by him as well? Or yeah. okay, okay. Yeah, he wrote that. Sweet. So yeah. I, I guess, can you, can you elaborate more on the, the Pixar story and like talk more about the book that you mentioned earlier? Oh, it's wild. I mean, when, when Pixar first started, um, so Ed Catmull and his co-founders for Pixar were brought into Lucasfilm mm-hmm. and they were working on developing this very high-end computer uh, that would be used for CGI mm-hmm. in the movies. Um, Star Wars was the big one at the time. Um, but after a while, you know, George Lucas had some issues, personal issues, he was getting divorced. And so he had to sell off the Luke, the, the Pixar division, the computing division. Yeah. The Pixar story becomes about first survival because when they're getting sold off, no one wants to buy them. Enter Steve Jobs. Mm-hmm. Steve Jobs buys them. Yeah. Um, and they're investing in all the wrong areas of the business. They're investing in the hardware and the, the computer itself. When in reality, all these guys wanted to do was make short films. Yeah. Uh, because Ed Catmull wanted to be an artist when he grew up. Mm-hmm. He wanted to work at Disney and he was bad at it. Uh, yeah. So he invented this field of, of very, very sweet computer graphics, um, computer-generated animations. Um, and the Pixar story was all about kind of that, that nitty-gritty let's make stories that we would want to yeah. experience and let's bring all of our characters to life so that they're larger than life at some point and you become invested in their journeys. And I just love that. I just yeah. love the, the person, the creativity and personalities that, that, that Pixar embodies. Yeah. There's just so much detail in the films too, that like Absolutely. you can see every wrinkle, every, every aspect of it comes to life. Absolutely. And it's never, there's franchises there's toy story one yeah. through four but have you ever felt like oh my god they just they franchised the heck out of it they, they lost all of the originality yeah never. I, i've never felt that way yeah um i i think it takes a lot of thought 
yeah. making sure you do that the right way. Yeah. I love that because I really, I really feel like it relates to your story as well. Like, yeah. I, it's probably why you, you love Pixar story so much. Uh, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. So I would like to kind of begin wrapping up a little bit. Um, this has been honestly such a great episode because you're such so inspiring as a person, honestly. Um, and you're so well-spoken and you don't come off introverted at all to me personally. <laughs> um, so I guess you answered a little bit earlier about, you know, what's next for you and geneticists, but what advice or maybe words of wisdom do you have for the people listening today? Hmm. These are all future, maybe medical students, future healthcare professionals. Yeah. All of that. Um, find, find problems and write them down. I think the second part is the hard part. Mm. I, I see so many like sighs and, and frustrations and, you know, vocal like frustrations in the workflows and in the ED and all of this. And every single one of those is an opportunity to make someone's day better, yeah. someone's experience better. And I feel like everyone has the, the, the goal, the passion of, of, of making someone's day a little better. So whether you're the one to build it or not, just write it down. You never know how helpful that idea might be uh, to someone in need. Yeah. Um, so I think, I think that's my advice, especially if these people are, are headed towards a career in healthcare, which yeah. by the way is... I think the most gratifying place. Definitely. To go, so. Definitely. Yeah. No matter what aspect you go into, whether Absolutely. it's medical school, whether it's inventions or entrepreneurs, social work. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. There's just so many opportunities. And honestly, like you're a great example of it. So oh, thank, thank you. you so much for being on today. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Okay. Fun. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So we're going to wrap up. I will leave all of the details about geneticists in the info notes, like your website and Perfect. all of that. Absolutely. So people can find out more about you as well. That'd be awesome. All right. Yeah, thank thank you. you. Thank you. And that is the episode for today. Thank you guys so much for listening. And thank you so much to Piyush for joining me. I was truly moved and inspired, to say the least, by his whole story, his incredible amount of passion and empathy that he shows every day as an inventor, as an entrepreneur, and I think he has great ideas, and I am really happy to know somebody like him. If you guys take anything away from this episode, it would definitely be the very last thing that he said, his advice to future healthcare professionals, in my opinion, um, when he says, you know, find the problem, find out the problems, and write them down. I will definitely be taking that little kernel of advice into my future life as well. So thank you guys so much for joining me. I hope you guys gained something from this episode. And thanks for making this podcast a part of your day wherever you are. 